Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Ruben. Hello, Teddy. I want you to imagine a school where prestigious rich people at the end. Okay. <laughs> what do you think of? Expensive boarding school. That's right. Today, we are talking about the Newington House College, also known as the Newington College in India. And it was once one of the most prestigious schools in the region. During British colonial rule, there was something called British provinces and princely states. And the British didn't really want to call the rulers of these states kings because the only kingdom that should exist under this administration should be the British kingdom. Okay. And sometimes a group of these princely states, they would be ruled by something called a Raja. Mm-hmm. But that's just like a digression. Now... The next in line to these princely states, they were sometimes considered and sometimes called princes, and some of them would be educated in the Newington College. And this college was established by the British Indian Administration in order to have the future leaders educated the English way. Okay. So these boys, they would go to school and they would have an English education. They would learn all the same things as the British aristocracy. They would learn how to hunt, how to play cricket, how to play tennis, and like specifically British etiquette. How to drink beer. <laughs> how to eat fish and chips. Lift, lift your pinky when you drink tea. Right. So I don't think it would be very far to say that this would have been one of the more like prestigious schools of the region at that time. Mm-hmm. I believe the school no longer exists in Madras, or more commonly called by its modern name, Chennai. And from what I could find, the only thing that remains are a few buildings. Right, the school like ruins. Yes. Right. Alright, but this school would play background to one of the most infamous unsolved murders of the region. The same unsolved murder that is alleged to have led to the closure of the school itself. Hmm. Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to A Briefcase. Today we are covering the unsolved murder of the then acting principal of Newington College, the murder of Clement de La Haye. Because this case happened more than a century ago, a lot of the details have been lost to time, but it's been pieced together by what research I could find on the internet. But if you, listener, if you have anything important to add and any corrections that you can provide, please, um, we would definitely appreciate it if you could leave a DM or a comment where we'll put it up for all to see. Mm-hmm. So now Clement de la Haye 
Sometimes Dadila Hay is spelled H-A-Y. Sometimes it's spelled H-E-Y. Sometimes it's spelled H-A-Y-E. Dadila Hay. Doesn't sound very British. Yeah, right? Um, so maybe I, I guess the record keeping just wasn't very good because he was born in 29th October 1878. Oh, that's quite long ago. Yeah, that's more than like 200 years. 100? 100 and something? Yeah. He was born in Maple, Cheshire, England. And we know he had a fairly large family, as was normal at that time, with some sources saying that he had six other siblings and that he went to boarding school growing up. Now, at some point of time between 1901 and 1902, as a young man, Clement arrives in India and he starts teaching at the Newington College. And there's reports of him taking part in cricket matches, being the star player of the Newington College cricket team. And his big passion was cricket. And he also took part in other very English colonial things like visiting estates and hunting. Right. Right? Now, as a... just making an assumption, as a white man in India, life is pretty good, you know? Mm, yeah. He's teaching, he's playing cricket, and this goes on for a while more until 1918, when he was about 40. During a visit back to Britain in July 1980, he gets married to Dorothy Mary Phillips, and she was 26 years old, and he was 40 years old. Okay. But it wouldn't have been like too unusual back then, and they even had a son, Anthony. So the whole family, they lived in the Newington College building, comma, minor college. And it was... Did you say comma? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like when they call it like um, Warwick House, comma, sorry. (laughs) I think that's... Okay. Yeah. So now it's just one year after he got married and it was just after his son was born. And so the incident happens... On 15th of October 1919, which is just two weeks before his next birthday. Now, some reports say that he had just come back from the club, but I don't think in the 1919 they had Ewa Ewa Club, so it was probably like a Hunting club classy or saloon or something. The lounge. Lounge. Um, some sources, other sources say, say that him and his wife had just come back from a party. Could have been a party at a club, yes. A disco? <laughs> a soiree. A soiree. So it's believed that Clement and Dorothy they returned back to the school between eight thirty and nine p.m. They say hi to some of the boys in the hall and they go upstairs to the bedroom. It would have just been an ordinary night as British expats in colonial India, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem that the couple suspected anything was out of the ordinary. So, I'm not sure it was very normal back then, but Clement and his wife, they actually slept in different beds, but in the same room. So, they slept on beds that were next to each other. So, Clement on one bed and Dorothy on the other. Some sources also say that the newborn baby was sleeping with Dorothy. Some sources say no, it was just Dorothy, but we can't confirm that. And now, Clement Dihahe, he falls asleep relatively quickly, and soon his wife would be sleeping as well. It is believed that about half an hour past midnight, an unknown person creeps into their room. And I think because it was a school, the door wasn't locked, especially if one of the students needed help late at night. Right. And this may also have been because it was a very different time, you know what I mean? And this unknown stranger creeps into the room and stands over Clement's bed and then shoots him with a 12-bore gun, which is a type of shotgun. 
it hits Clement on the right side of his head and he dies immediately. Mm. So it's a shotgun and it's incredibly loud. It wakes Dorothy and some of the other boys in the same building. And one of the boys runs into the room and he sees Dorothy standing over Clement's dead body. Wouldn't she immediately wake up and see the guy who shot him? But it's dark and they don't have streetlights <laughs> back then. Okay. Okay, so the police are immediately called as well as a civil surgeon, which I guess is kind of like a GP. And the doctor at that point of time, his name was Major Hingston. So now Dorothy was in hysterics. She was distraught. Her husband had literally been shot dead with her next to him. And when the police came and investigated, they found a a different gun lying in the driveway below. So this was maybe like an extra gun that the killer had as a backup or something. Okay. And so, very quickly the heir to the Kadambur estate, and some sources refer to him as a prince, was the main suspect in the murder. Why? We're going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> now, some coverage also say that he may have had an accomplice, somebody who planned this with him and was keeping watch as he shot the principal in the head. But what happened is that it turned out that the accomplice's dad was incredibly well-connected. I don't know what the articles were alleging to, but the accomplice eventually ended up becoming a witness instead. Oh, okay. And that's how we get the account of, you know, past midnight, shoot him, stand over that bit, shoot right, him. okay. Yeah, so now even the, even though this case happened in Madras, it was through some sort of administrative technicality transferred to Bombay High Court where it was judged by Sir Norman MacLeod who would at one point become the Chief Justice of the Bombay High Court. Hmm. So what would the motive of a prince, an heir to a princely estate be to kill his English school principal? Now there are two theories and you can let me know what you think about them. One is that he had been insulted by Clement de la Haye and there are many eyewitnesses who say that Clement de la Haye was racist. Well, he was colonial era Britain. Isn't that entirely based on racism? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he would apparently call his students, literally people who he's being paid to teach and manage, Tamil barbarians or barbarous Tamilians, which which sounds very English, which is so rude, but I don't think would have been too unusual of a thing at that time. Mm-hmm. And that this was retaliation for that insult. It would hold, This old murder would also have been one of the biggest scandals to happen around that time and the newspapers they were incredibly sensationalist because there weren't any like real libel laws back then so there were unsubstantiated reports coming out even before the the trial was over that he was guilty and there are also reports that again were never confirmed so they could have been completely made up that apparently he the Kadam Burher wrote a letter to his mom, and it's alleged that in this letter he says that he's guilty and that he asked his mom to give Dorothy, Clement's wife, 10,000 rupees. But if you take into account inflation, we don't really have an accurate estimate. I assume it's like anywhere between 10 to 50,000 Singapore dollars today. Okay. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a small amount of money, but I think it's a little bit insulting. It's a bit convenient that he just wrote the letter. Yeah. Confessing to the letter could have also been completely made up because nothing was ever proven. 
Now, another completely unsubstantiated theory is that Clement's young wife, Dorothy, was bought and got involved with some of the students because now the boys in the school, they were aged 12 to 19 and some of them would have been closer to her in age than her husband. And it's speculated because of this accusation, she was granted permission to go home to get away, which made people even more incensed because they would say if she had nothing to hide, why would she run away? Run away from what? So she was given leave to leave India in the midst of these proceedings to go back to England to her family with her young son. Is that unusual? I mean, she's not a suspect. Right? Yeah, she, she wasn't a suspect, so why not let her go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't see an issue with that. I mean, unless she was giving evidence, maybe uh, then she needs to stay around for that. It's interesting though, because she would have been the key witness, the only person in the room with him. Mm. In the end, the jury found the prince not guilty and he was eventually acquitted. And because of this case and the decline in quality paying students attending, even before the murder of the school's principal, the Newington House College was eventually shut down and the murder of Clement de La Haye was never solved. Thanks for being on the show, Ruben. Thanks, Teddy. I genuinely have no idea what could have happened. Mm. So I'm going to add a poll to this case as well. It's also interesting how this was one of like the biggest scandals a century ago, but there's barely any information on this, barely any coverage on this today, even by like other crime reporting podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, maybe at that time, like nobody was taking like or reporting it well. So then all the information just lost, so it's hard to... Some of the sources are like um, sisters of family members who who ended up writing like little books on it as well. So it'll be kind of interesting like today to see what stays on in like the next 50, the next 100 years. Like I think a lot of Gen Zers also, like until the Netflix documentary came out, I wasn't like super clear on the details of the O.J. Simpson trial either. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I don't think there's going to be a Netflix documentary on this. <laughs> <laughs> it would make a good drama though, I will say. Like a period piece. Yeah, like a period piece. Um, yeah. With the amount of content in media today, I guess whatever stays on when we are old people will be like validation of what really captures like attention mm. across the years. That's true. Now, as always, you can find us on Instagram at a briefcase podcast or online at a briefcase podcast.com. And do join us next week for another briefcase. Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family. With more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.